Turn with me, if you would please, one more time to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're doing part 3 tonight. Amen. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. See the connection between being a believer and being led. Do you understand? In Romans 16, 8, 16 now, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits without spirit, that we are the children. The first thing the Holy Ghost is going to bear witness is that you're saved, is that you're loved by God. But most people think that's the last thing he's going to bear witness about. When you get saved, that you've done one step on a very long journey for the rest of your life until you step over into glory. The first thing he bears witness is that you're saved. Amen. But that's not the last thing that he bears witness. There are many things he's going to bear witness about thousands, hundreds of thousands of things that he is going to bear witness about as you walk the journey in your Christian faith all the way until the day you step over into glory. Whether that's death, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be instantly present with the Lord. That's why believers don't ever have to worry about death. Because as soon as we close our eyes and our heart stops, we open our eyes and we're in heaven. <laughs> Praise God. But whether it's physical death or whether it's rapture, until that day where we step over into glory, we have a right to go on this journey and have a bearing of witness. Uh, the first thing is that we're children of God, but that's certainly not the last. That's the first step in a long journey. Praise God. He's borne witness thousands of things in my heart over the years, and there'll be tens of thousands more. If Jesus tarries, amen? So we see that the Holy Ghost bears witness with our spirits, the first thing that we're saved, but of course there's many more things after that. Now, Proverbs 20 again, please. Proverbs 20 and verse 27. Praise the Lord. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Where's the spirit? Where, the, where does the Bible say? It's in your belly area. That's where your spirit is. The spirit of man is the candle. Your spirit is the light of God. When Before you were born again, you had a spirit that existed. And if you died in that state, that spirit's very alive. It would go down to the, to the underworld and live there forever. Because you live this life aside, apart from God, you're going to live that life apart from God. But when you get born again, the Spirit of God lights your candle. I won't read it again, but Proverbs 18, 28 is a prophecy. He said, God will light my candle. He's talking about the, when the believers, your spirit. Now listen, just because this is written in Proverbs doesn't mean that, 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 that Solomon had a lit candle. Right. He's talking, he's giving us doctrine, but this is for New Testament. You can't have a lit candle until you're born again. Solomon couldn't be born again because Jesus hadn't come. But he's teaching us, and that's why in Proverbs 18 it says, or whatever it was, Psalm, well, let me look here because some of you are looking at me with funny looks on your, on your faces. What did I say that? I said that was uh, <coughs> Proverbs, Jennifer, what did I say that? 18, Psalm 18:28. Don't turn there. I'm just giving you the reference so I'm correct on it. Psalm 18:28 is that he says, he will light my candle. Yeah. Because how, why will? Because I'm not born again yet in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament I am. So every sinner out there has a spirit that's very alive and well. It's going to live somewhere, but to, toward God, it's dead. That the spirit isn't dead, but in its relationship to God, it's dead because sin killed it. Do you understand? And that spirit's in darkness, so that person can't have any leading. They can't have any light. They can't have any illumination from their spirit about what God wants them to do in situations because they don't have God in them. 
But every believer and everyone in this room, if God's come inside you as a born-again believer, when he came, the blood washed you, removed that blockage. Now you're alive unto God. Your, your spirit is made alive unto your heavenly father a second time because you had it as a baby, as a child, and then sin blocked it. So you had your born-again experience, but now your spirit is lit. The Holy Ghost lit it. Yeah. It's a lamp, it's a candle, it's a flashlight, it's a light bulb. He lit it. The Spirit of God lit your candle. You lit your spirit man. Your spirit man has light in it because you're saved. The person working beside you at work does not have light in it. But you have light in your candle, in your spirit. Your spirit is the lamp of God. So how is God going to illuminate things for you? By your spirit. Now, you remember I gave you that scripture, uh, I won't read it for sake of time, but Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So you see, lamp and light is for the purpose of leading, yeah. illuminating, so you know where to go. Well, your spirit is the light of God inside you. So how is God going to illuminate things? How is God going to guide you? How is God going to lead you? How is God going to show you which way to go? Not in your mind and not in your body, but in your spirit, because the spirit of man is the light of God. It's the candle of the Lord. So you got to get familiar with the terminology that your spirit is how God leads you, not your brain. Are you with me? Because a lot of believers don't understand this, and they think God is going to lead them through their brain, but he doesn't do that. Now have a look quickly at John 1, verse 4. Can you turn there quickly? Turn there quickly, please. John chapter 1, verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, people have always, I've heard preachers always quote it this way, or mean it, int interpret it this way. In him was the life, Jesus said, the life of God, and the life of God gave humankind light. And that's true. But you can also look at it from another way, which is equally true. Not just human, humanity, but the individual man. In him was life, and the life was the light of Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. In him was life, and the life was the light of Lorraine. Not just humanity, it's available to humanity, but the life of Jesus that came into Craig made light come into Craig. Do you see that? The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Amen. My spirit is made a light, alive, and al when it's made alive unto God, it's also made illuminated. It's light. Do you see that? Yes. Now, also John chapter 8, verse 12. Can you uh, flip over a few chapters? John chapter 8, verse 12. Then spoke Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me, followeth me, followeth me. What does that mean? Yeah. He that's born again. Do you understand? Yeah. He that's born again, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. If you're born again, you're not to walk in darkness. You're not to stumble around not knowing the path because you've got light in your spirit to show you the path. You don't have to walk around your whole life not knowing what to do because God will lead you. He'll light your way through your spirit man. Yeah. Them that follow me, he that are, them that are born again, Let's read it again. Them that follow me shall not walk in darkness. See, if you're a believer, you don't have to walk in darkness. A lot of believers do walk in darkness, but you don't have to. That's right. 
A lot of believers, every believer has light in their spirit, but because they don't know it, they don't know how to yield to it, they don't know how to look to it, the light's there, but they're up here all the time, and they're here in their bodies all the time, and they're trying to figure out, and it's dark for them, but there's light in their spirit. If they just look down, they'll see the light, and they'll know what God wants. So not every believer, from the perspective of eternity, every believer walks in light, but from the believer of being, from the perspective of being led by the spirit, not everybody walks in light. I know most believers don't have a clue. No, most pastors don't have a clue about what being led by the Spirit means. Not a clue. Most pastors don't even know the difference between soul and spirit. If that's hard, it's hard to believe, but it's true. So every believer in Jesus walks in light of the, that, they're, that they're going to heaven. But not every believer that has lit spirits walks in the instruction of the Holy Ghost by the unction through their spirit man because they don't look to their spirit because they're so soul-minded and carnal-minded and flesh-minded and body-minded and conscious-minded that they don't look down there. But Jesus says, if you follow me, you don't have to walk in darkness, not just meaning eternal darkness. He's talking about on the earth. You don't have to walk in darkness because why? You have the light of life. My life came in yours. Where did the life come in? Not your brain. God didn't make, the life didn't come into your soul. The life didn't come into your body. The life came into your spirit. Your mind is not alive unto God when you get saved. Otherwise you'd have perfect thoughts and they don't have perfect thoughts. Your body is not saved when you get born again. Otherwise, all, your, all the bad things that you want to do would instantly cease. But have you noticed people get born again and they want to commit fornication that afternoon? Because their spirit is made alive, but their soul is not renewed. Their mind is not renewed. Their carnal nature is not crucified. Their body still wants to do fleshly things. So it's your spirit that God's dealing with. But when the life of God comes into your spirit man, light comes into your spirit man. So every believer, if there's life inside of you, there's light there. Whether you yield to it or not is your business. Now you all have the light of God, the life of God, meaning you're not going to live in darkness in eternity. You're going to live with Jesus, whether you're led by the Spirit on the earth or not. But it's not just limited to eternity. See, preachers have always talked this verse about, well, you got the life and the light, and that's always from an eternal perspective. So you're going to go to heaven, and you're not going to go to hell, and you're in the kingdom of light, not the kingdom of darkness. And that's all true. But it's a lot more than just the macrocosm. There's a microcosm to this verse that you individually, not just for the eternity, but right here on earth, right here on earth, Hortense, if the light of God is... The the life is in you, your, the light of God is in your spirit, and he doesn't want you to stumble in darkness on the earth. He wants you to walk according to the spirit leading on the earth. Remember, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Keep, keep getting that, get a, get a meditate on that until you get revelation on it. Your spirit is the light. Not your mind, not your body. Your spirit is how God leads you. The light, the leading, the illumination, the guidance of God is here. That's how he leads me. Not up here, down here. Now I'm going to explain it to you if you'll just stay with me tonight, Sunday, and over the next couple of weeks. Just be patient. You're going to start to get it if you don't get it right now. Because I know some of you are thinking, but I don't understand what you mean. If I don't understand what he's saying, how can I do it? 
We'll talk about the process from spirit to mind. But it doesn't originate in your mind. It originates in your spirit. If you don't understand this, you won't be led by the spirit because you've got to get rock solid inside of you. God leads me through my spirit. God leads me through my spirit. Let me be spirit conscious. God leads me through my spirit, not my mind. My spirit is God's candle. It is God's light. My spirit is the, is the vehicle through which God will illuminate where I'm supposed to go. Are you with me? My spirit is the, is the organism, is the vehicle, is the way that God will show me and give me guidance for my future. He does it through my spirit. He doesn't do it through any other way. Your mind has to catch up. Otherwise, you won't know what to do. But he doesn't start it with your mind. He starts it with your spirit. you got to be more spirit conscious because people by nature, I think, are a lot more soul conscious than they are spirit conscious. Praise God. So Jesus... You know, there's these people, fortune tellers, and they tell you, come, let me tell you your fortune. And uh, they, they, why? Because they want to tell you their, your future. Yeah. Right? Do you know what fortune tellers call themselves? What their term is in the, in the industry? They are called enlightened ones. Now, don't go and call up the psychic hotline to check that out. Just take my word for it. Okay? They are called the enlightened ones. The problem is they have no light. They call themselves the enlightened one. We know supernatural knowledge. If you give us some money, we'll read the ball, we'll read your palm, we'll read the cards, and we'll tell you, really, it's the counterfeit of the gift of prophecy. The devil has a counterfeit for everything that God has. Those demon spirits know to a small measure the future, and so they will so show certain things. But we have the Holy Spirit, who John 16 says, will show us things to come. And he is not limited because he knows everything. Demons are limited. They only know a little bit. But the little bit they have, they'll talk to the enlightened ones. But their spirit is dark. But demons can bring a certain measure of illumination for the immediate future. And so they tell people their futures, so to speak. Sometimes it's on and sometimes it's off. It just depends on how clear they are at hearing the demon's voice. Do you understand? But, that, but they are not true enlightened ones. Believers are the only ones that walk the earth that are enlightened ones. Because we don't listen to demons that have a small measure of knowledge. We have the light of God in our spirits and the Holy Ghost, God, the third person of the Trinity. Not some little demon. God, the third person of the Trinity, lives in my spirit and he knows everything. 1 Corinthians 2 says he knows the mind of God, the deep things of God. He searched out the eternities of God. He knows everything about everything, everywhere, every galaxy, every universe. He knows what's going to happen a trillion years from now. He knew what happened a trillion years ago. He's the Holy Ghost of God. And he lives inside of you and he knows everything. And he lights your spirit with whatever you need is in there. So I'm an enlightened one. I'm an enlightened one. And I don't, I don't do this because you're not John Lake. And John Lake was in a different category and God let him do certain things because of where he was in God. That's not something you should do. But he went to a, the Lord told him, I want you to go to this seance. Seance is where these mediums get together and do their woo-woo stick nonsense and call up demon spirits. And those spirits talk to them. And it's very real. And you believers have no business being there, but he wasn't there to participate in the seance. He was there because the Lord told him to go there to preach to them. And when he went there, they started summoning the spirit of this girl. And so this, this familiar spirit that knew the girl, because a familiar spirit watches you all your life and knows exactly everything about you, and they can mimic you. That's why ghosts often appear as what, what looks like the individual, but it's not the individual's spirit. That spirit's in heaven or hell. 
the ghost knows exactly what that little girl looked like and can mimic their appearance. That's all it is. Do you understand? And when, and when that witch of Endor called up the spirit of, Eli, of Samuel, it wasn't the spirit of Samuel. It looked like Samuel, sounded like Samuel, talked like Samuel, but it's a, it's a familiar spirit of Samuel. Because witches can't call up the spirits from heaven back to earth. Nobody can, let alone some witch. It's a familiar spirit of Samuel that's talking like him and sounding like him. Do you understand? So this witch called up the spirit of this young girl. And Lake was not there participating. Lake was there on an assignment, so it's different. Yes. You go to participate in that stuff, you'll get demon-possessed real quick. Yes. You get in the devil's territory, he'll attack you. Yeah. And, so he, he, you know, he, and so he started talking to that girl, that's the spirit of that girl, which they said was the girl, but he knew it was a familiar spirit. And so he said, now, and I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, he said, well, now tell me. And he named the girl. He said, since you're the girl, he knew it wasn't, but he said, since you're the girl, tell me what happened on this date. And the spirit didn't answer. He said, go ahead and tell me what happened. You were in my church on this date. Tell me what happened when you went down to the altar. Spirit tried to say something different. He said, no, you're a liar. I know what that girl did. You're not the spirit of a girl. You're, the, you're a demon spirit. I saw that girl go down to the altar, get born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. And that girl's dead and her spirit's in heaven and you're from hell. And he cast the devil out of the witch. You understand? You can have enlightenment yeah. They can talk to demons and falsities, but that doesn't mean that it's got anything to do with reality or who that person really is. They call themselves enlightened ones because they listen to spirits, but those spirits are still from the darkened kingdom and are still giving them many times faulty or partially true information. But we are, we are the true enlightened ones. Do you understand? Because we go with what the Holy Ghost, who knows everything, is. See, they don't only know partially, and they lie. Those demons lie. So don't, don't ever, don't ever, don't ever play games with the occult. Don't ever play games with witchcraft. Don't ever, no matter how low you get, try to go and get somebody to tell you your future or anything. That should be obvious, but I have to say it because sometimes new people don't know this, Jenny. Right. Don't ever touch anything to do with that kingdom because demons will come on you and in you. Don't ever do that because you're an enlightened one. You don't need their dark help when you've got the Holy Ghost and there's light in your spirit. And anyway, what they're going to tell you most of the time is a lie. And it's going to be a hook to get you into the occult. And if they tell you a little bit of truth, then you go, oh, wow, they know what they're talking about. And then you go deeper and then you go deeper and then you go deeper. We don't need that. <laughs> like John Lake exposed that lying spirit. Even though it said it was the spirit of the girl, but it's not because the spirit of the girl can't come. The spirit of the girl is in heaven or in hell. In that case, in heaven because she was saved. But that demon refused to recognize the fact that she was saved. That demon tried to lie about the fact that she was saved. Because demons won't admit that people get saved because they're, they're admitting the lordship of Jesus. True. And demons won't do that. Do you understand? Yeah. So, we have light in our where minds or Spirits, We have light down here. We have a right to be led if we'll only learn to turn to it. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Amen. I've got the, I'm the real enlightened one, Taylor. He don't want me stumbling around in darkness, following around in darkness. I've got the light of life because life came in, light came in. My spirit is the candle. It's the way God leads me. It's the way he illuminates and guides my path. Psychology is the study of human behavior, but spiritology is the study of spirit behavior. We don't really talk about that from that perspective. Don Lake did. 
He said, I'm a student of spiritology. He didn't mean, now it sounds almost new agey in its terminology, but it's not. Uh, originally, spiritology is not the study of evil spirits. It's a study of the spirit of man. Psychology is the study of the soul of man and human behavior, but spiritology is the study of a spirit. And, and, that, and that's really what we're doing. We're studying how, and it's not just your spirit, your spirit is the main part. But if you've got a, if you've got a spirit that has light in it, and you've got a mind that is subjected and renewed, because yes. if you don't have a renewed mind, it's going to be hard for you to hear what your spirit by the Holy Ghost is telling your mind. So the, the signal gets lost because you're so carnal, you, you don't pick up what's here. But if you've got a you light in your spirit, which comes to being born again, simply, you don't do anything else, you just get saved, it's there. And you keep your spirit strong. And then you renew and develop your mind. I don't like to use the word develop. Let me just say, renew your mind. Clean, wash your mind so that with the word of God, so that you're spiritually minded, like Paul said. You're spiritually minded. And then you subjugate or, or discipline your body and your flesh. Man, that's a powerful combination. An enlightened spirit with a renewed mind and a disciplined body will accomplish the perfect will of God. An enlightened spirit with a renewed thought process so you can hear the signals from your spirit clearly and a subjugated, disciplined flesh and body so that your body doesn't pull you off here, but your body does what your spirit tells your mind to tell it to do. Yes. Do you understand? Yes. Your flesh is crucified. That, that, that threefold combination is very powerful. And that's what we're after. We're after knowing our spirit man, having a renewed mind so we can hear our spirit and having a disciplined, crucified flesh. So that we can walk out yes. what the Spirit through our renewed mind communicates to us. Yes. Hallelujah. You need all three. Now, go to Philippians chapter 123. I told you it's more of a teaching flow, so, so I hope that's okay with you. Whether it is or not, please make it okay with you. <laughs> Philippians, and you gotta, you got to turn too slow. That's why you just move, move fingers a little faster now. Praise God. I know some of you got your paper Bibles, which I love to see paper Bibles. And I have one too. But sometimes the electronic is a little faster. <laughs> Amen. But Philippians 1.23. For I am in a strait betwixt two. Having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Okay. I'm trying to, I'm trying to prove something to you now about spirit, soul, and body. Paul says, I'm in a strait having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So he says, I. Yeah. Who is the I? Spirit. His spirit. It had to be his spirit because how could your body depart and be with God? Your body stays here and goes in that coffin thing. Yeah. Right? So it couldn't be his body. He's not talking about his mind. He's talking about his spirit. I. So he, Paul refers to himself as a spirit. Most people refer to themselves as what they see in the mirror. I am fat. I am beautiful. I have zits. You know, teenagers say that. And, and they associate who they are with what they see. I am tormented. They associate who they are with their soul state and their mental state. Paul said, I am a spirit. Because he said, I 
am in a strait. I want to have a desire to go and be with the Lord. My spirit would leave my body and go be with the Lord, which is far better for me. But it would be far better for you if I stay in the flesh in my body on the earth. But did you notice he said, I, the I is the spirit. What he's saying is whether I go or whether I stay, my, this is my spirit I'm talking about. I can go, which I'd prefer, or I can stay, which is better for you. But did you notice the I, he refers to himself in the, in the, in the tense of spirit. Right. Not in the sense of body. That's right. yes. You'll I'm trying to give you some little nuggets to help you. You'll never become skillful in being led by the Spirit if you always think of yourself by the way you look. Good. You'll never learn to be skillful in the leading of your spirit if you keep interpreting who you are as what you see in the mirror. That you may be this, that, or the other, but that's not who you are. Do you understand? I'm not giving you a pass for not treating your body right. I'm simply saying who you are is not your body. Who you are is not how your, your education level. That's your soul. Who you are is not if you're tormented or not. Or if you're, if you're you know, what a personality type you have. That's not who you are. Who you are is your spirit. And if you start focusing more on who I am, I am a spirit man. I have a soul and I live in a body, but I am a spirit. My spirit is alive unto God. My spirit is going to God when I die or step over into glory. And the light of God is in my spirit. And the, and the method by which God leads and guides me is the light that's in my spirit. I am led by the spirit. My spirit. You've got to become more spirit conscious. Do you understand? I'm not giving you a pass with the way you look or things that you should or shouldn't do. Because we have a soul and we live in a body. But that's not who you really are. So you're going to start renewing your mind to who you really are. Paul talked about himself as a spirit. Yes. Now he knew he had a body and a mind, but he talked about, I want my spirit wants to go, but I, my spirit will choose to stay in the flesh for you because I don't want to. If I could, I'd go because I want to be with the Lord. You with me now have a look at second Corinthians four, second Corinthians chapter four, 16. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. I'm just in the shallow waters. Do you know what shallow waters mean? I'm just in the shallow waters because I'm trying to establish some basic truths. If you don't understand basic, you're never going to get what's coming. You got to understand basic stuff first. I know some of you, you understand this already, but it's okay to hear it again. Others of you are new in the Lord. I'm looking out the congregation. I'm seeing some of you that were saved in the last three months. We got to talk about it because the ones that have been saved in the last few months probably have never heard this. It's true. Some of you that have been saved for 30 years, God bless you. You might have heard it 12 times, but there's still more you can glean. Amen. So, so we just, we always stay hungry for the word. Now, 2 Corinthians 4, 16, for which cause we faint not, but through, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed Day by day, you have an outward man that is aging. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm going to mess with you a little bit now. There's nothing wrong with your oil of Olay and all that stuff that you do, ladies. There's nothing wrong with it. Botox and everything else that you do. But the world system is not spiritual. The world system is obsessed about the way that they look. 
because all they know is body and soul. So everything is about looking better as you age. And there's nothing wrong with looking better as you age. But as a believer, I'm not saying you shouldn't look better as you age. Do whatever you can. But as a believer, your focus should not be the outward man, which is perishing. No matter how much oil of Olay you put on it, it's still perishing. That's the way God designed it. Do you understand? The outward man is not the focus, Jenny. It's the inward man that's the focus. But that doesn't give us an excuse to mistreat the outward man. That Hagen said at the end of his life, he said, if I could do one thing different, I would have taken care of my physical body better. Because he was a little bit overweight and he, you know, he, he wished he had taken, gotten better shape so he was physically stronger. So listen, the, the great Kenneth Hagen was not knocking taking care of your body. The temple has to be strong and for you to walk out your, run out your race. But what he's trying to, what Paul is saying here, he's not, that doesn't mean that you do away and you ignore your outer man, but it also, that's, so one ditch is you just let yourself go to pot. That's not right. Let your body just go whatever, do whatever it was, that's wrong. But then on the other ditch is you're so obsessed about your aging process. You're so obsessed about this and about that. And your focus is completely isolated on your outer man to the, to the ignoring of your inner man. And then you look real good in your t-shirt, but you're not a spiritual person at all. That's why Paul said physical exercise profiteth little. It profiteth because you got to have a strong body to run out your race. But it profiteth little compared to spiritual exercise. Getting your spirit man attuned, learning how to hear from God, learning his presence, learning who he is, learning how to be led by him. Your inner man must be the focus, but not to the exclusion of the outer man. Do you see the balance, the healthy balance that God wants us to have? But a, lot, but, the, but a lot of the Christians act like sinners where everything about them is about their body, their shape, what they look like, how, whether they have this injection or that injection or this surgery or that surgery. And there's nothing wrong with those things in its right place, but that's not the focus. The focus is not the outer man that perishes. But the inner man, what is the inner man? That's your spirit. The inner man that is renewed day by day. Your spirit is not getting older. Do you understand? Your spirit, now I don't know, this is, you can't prove this from the Bible. But everybody that I've ever heard of that's gone to heaven, every single person, whether they're flaky or whether they're not flaky, all say the same thing. Dad Hagen has said this. Others, many, many people that I've heard go to heaven have always said the same thing. I've never heard anybody say it differently. So it's got to be true for hundreds of people to all say the same thing that have been to heaven and seen heaven. Jesse said it. Everybody up there that is, was a full age here on the earth, everybody up there is in their early 30s. Everyone. And it's, I don't know if God did that because Jesus went there in his early 30s. Or if it, maybe that has got nothing to do with it. But, he, but they always say, they look in their prime. The best that they could possibly look. It, not, and if their children there, they grow up to that about proximate age and then they stop. 
Now, you can't prove it. I, that's not what I'm talking about is now you starting to think, don't go on the internet tonight and try to look that up because you're not, you're not going to be able to find a definitive doctrine. I'm just saying, when you your spirit man, when you get to heaven, you get your glorified body. You're not going to find somebody that's with a crutch in heaven and they're all old and wrinkly and leathery skin and ugly and they say glory got no teeth glory to God hallelujah you're not going to see that in heaven you're not going to nobody's going to gum you there's not going to be people with only gums there's not going to be old ladies beating you with their cane because there's not going to be old people there if you are old here and you get there you get a new body a beautiful body and you're going to be in your prime (laughs) <laughs> glory when when that man went uh from the the board member of, of richard randy greer last fall god took him to heaven and he walked the streets with brother kenneth hagan and with dad dufrain he had heard of dad dufrain but he didn't know who dad dufrain was but he knew kenneth hagan and they were walking together he shared it publicly and they're walking together and he said i knew certain things there you know you like here you would ask but there's just certain knowledge you instantly just know and he said i knew that kenneth hagan and 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 ed dufresne walked together every day and so the but the reason is because they were spiritual father and son on the earth that's why they continue that in heaven so you better like me because i'm going to be walking with you in the streets of gold Maybe I shouldn't say that we might lose out of the church. I'm not really sure. Maybe they thought they just had me for now and then they'll never see me again. But who, I believe that who you're connected with in the earth, there's a divine connection in heaven as well to a measure. I don't know to what measure, but to a measure. And they would walk together and he would walk and he said that they were both in their prime in their early 30s. That Hagen was in his prime in his early 30s. So your spirit man doesn't age. You could be 90, but your spirit man is still young and strong and being renewed. And then when you get your new body, now listen, when you get your new body, your new body just takes on what your spirit is. If you die as a child, your new body takes on what your spirit is, which is small and then grows. If you die at 90, your spirit doesn't age. So your, your new body takes on the shape of your spirit man, which never ages. So you may feel old, but you're not old. That's why Caleb at 85 could run the mountain because even though he was an old covenant believer and he didn't understand what we understand out of the life of his spirit, there was a youth renewal covenant. There was a, there was a strength that was emanating through his very body and his pores and his cells because his spirit man was strong. Now his spirit man was not alive unto God, but he still loved God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the anointing was on him, not in him, but your spirit can keep you strong. So I'm trying to say your spirit doesn't age. So ladies, stop worrying about getting older. That's a a carnal way of thinking. Yeah, put on the oil of Olay. In fact, put another coat on if you'd like, just so you look prettier when you come to church. But but your spirit man is young. Jenny, don't, don't shake your head at me, honey. My God, you don't need oil of Olay. You look great just the way you are. No, you don't. She said, I need a second coat. No, you don't need no second coat. Praise God. Your spirit man is young and strong, even though the outward man perishes, the inward man is being renewed. Being renewed. My spirit man is strong. It's being renewed every single day. My spirit man gets stronger, not weaker, if I feed on the word. Now, I'll tell you later, maybe later tonight, I don't know if we'll get to it, but your spirit man can also be weak. The Bible says your spirit man can be weak. Now, your spirit man can't have sin, 
Because the seed of God is in you, according to 1 John 5, 4. The DNA of God is in your spirit. Your spirit can't sin. The rest of you can sin, but your spirit can't sin. But just because the spirit man is sinless doesn't mean it's strength. You can have a weak spirit even though it's perfect. But you can have a strong spirit even though it's perfect. And there's things that you must do to strengthen your spirit. Which we're going to talk about in this series. And then listen, the stronger your spirit is, the more you're led by the spirit. The weaker your spirit is, the less you're led by the spirit. <laughs> okay. So, my, so what does he tell Jenny, did you notice here? He called it an inward man. And he called it an outward man. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your inward man? This is your spirit. What is your outward man? This is your body and your soul. Now, can you turn with me, please? Praise God. Hallelujah. To 1 Thessalonians 5.23. I'm laying foundation for you. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. You are a three-part being. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Is it 5.23? And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. Holy, not H-O-L-Y, W-H-O-L-L-Y, your whole being. May the God of peace sanctify your whole being. And I pray, God, that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you see the three parts of you mentioned there? Your spirit, your soul, your body. Did you notice he didn't say, and I pray your body and soul and spirit be preserved blameless. Did you notice he started with this word spirit? Because you are a spirit. Spirit is king. Soul is prince. Body is slave. Believers have it the reverse. Body is king. How I feel. How I look. That's the most important. That's the king. And my soul is prince and my spirit, which they don't even know half of them that they have. And the ones that do know it, it's dead unto God. Their spirit is slave. The believer is the inverted. My spirit is king. It's always first. Become spirit conscious and you will be led by the spirit more. Not, not, don't ignore your body, but that's not the real you. Be aware that you are a spirit. There's a real you that never ages that's inside you. And the Holy Ghost is inside your spirit. And it's in your belly region. And that's the part when you die, that's what goes to heaven. Do you understand? And it's being renewed every day. And God says, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body, he always talks about spirit first because it's who the real you is. Be preserved blameless. Hallelujah. Now, have a look at uh, 1 Peter 3, 4. 1 Peter 3, 4. 1 Peter 3, 4. Are you there? But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Notice he called it the hidden man of the heart. And then he called it a meek and quiet spirit. What is the hidden? I'm giving you different terminologies theologically for your spirit. Paul called it the hidden man. Peter called it the, sorry, Peter called it the hidden man. Paul called it the inward man. The hidden man of the heart is your spirit. The inward man, the innermost being is your spirit. You have a spirit. Amen. You are, you, you, you are a spirit. You have 
a mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a physical earth suit called a body that one day will die if Jesus doesn't come. But your spirit is forever. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Your spirit is the real you. So we see here, Peter says, hidden man of the heart. Paul says, inward man or inner man. So let me, add, let me tell you a little nugget here to maybe encourage you. Dad Hagen said that this really encouraged him when he was younger. Well, always, but especially when he was younger in the Lord. Your faith is from your spirit. Your faith is not from your mind. Your faith is not from your body. Your faith originates in your spirit. Why? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the revealed word. When the Holy Spirit reveals the word to you, it's in your spirit because the Holy Spirit lives in your spirit. So he reveals revelation in your spirit and then faith is birthed in your spirit. That's why your heart is your spirit. If you believe with your heart, believe, that's faith. It's of the spirit, it's of the heart. Do you understand? If you believe, if you believe. Now, there are some verses where it talks about the evilness of people's heart because your spirit and your soul is so close together like bone and marrow, they're almost indivisible, but they are divisible by the revealed word of God. They're divisible, according to Hebrews 4.12. But the part, the, the, the part of you, the core of you is your spirit, and so many verses in the Bible call that your heart. But then the, the other verses that are talking about the negative connotation of your heart, they're not talking about your spirit, they're talking about your soul, because your soul and your spirit are very close. And your soul, your mind, will, emotions can be treacherous, can be evil can do things that are very wrong. And, it, and it's almost like the core of you because your spirit and soul are so close and they're like the core of you. But if you want to look at it like a linear line and you try, to, you try to take this and stretch it out like an elastic band, that the core of you is your spirit. Your soul is so close to it. Now stretch it out a little bit. Your spirit or your heart is all the things that are pure and perfect. But on the other side, with things that are not pure and perfect, that are evil and treacherous, part, they could also be called your heart, but it's on the other stretch of that elastic band because that's part of your soul realm. So you have to interpret when you read the word heart, is it talking about this side or is it talking about that side? Is it talking about the spirit of a man or is it talking about the soul of a man? Because the spirit and the soul are both your core, but they are divisible. Do you understand? So, you, so some verses to say heart, but they're really talking about your soul. And other verses say heart, but they're really talking about your spirit. So you've got to be able to tell and you've got to be able to study which it's talking about. Let me give you a very simple clue. If it's talking about something negative, it's not talking about your spirit. Because your spirit can't be negative. Your spirit is made in the image of God. Your spirit has God's DNA in it. It's perfect. But your soul, unrenewed mind, vendettas, evil thoughts, railings, treachery, hatred, that's all part of your soul. That could also be called your heart because it's still kind of the core of you. But it's not the core of you. The real, true core of you is your spirit man where the Holy Ghost lives. Do you understand? So when it talks about faith is of the heart, it's talking about your spirit, not your soul. So when you believe in your heart, believe in your heart, have faith in your heart and confess with your mouth. You see, faith is of your spirit man because you believe with your heart. Not with your mind, you believe with your heart. So we are a spirit being and we're faith. And our dad Hagen would say this, if faith is of your spirit, then it doesn't matter how tormented you are in your mind from one perspective, because you don't believe with your mind. It doesn't matter how many symptoms you have in your body because you don't believe God with your body. It doesn't matter how confused you are in your thoughts because you don't believe God with your thoughts. 
No matter what you're going through in life, things could be falling apart. You could have the symptoms of sickness. You could have torment and darkness in your mind. You could, the, the, my, your brain is hammering on you. Demons are hammering on you. And everything is a dark. Have you ever been in a place like that? Because I have. You know you can still have faith in that situation? Remind yourself in that moment, my faith is not of my thoughts. My faith does not originate in my body. Devil, I know you're beating on me. I know the thoughts are against me. I know there's darkness in my feel. I feel, feel, feel. That's not your spirit. That's your soul. I feel darkness. I feel discouraged. I feel confused. I feel the pain in my leg. I feel the lump in my chest. I feel things in my body. I feel things in my soul. But it's okay. Because my faith is not from my body. And my faith is not from my soul. My faith is from my spirit. And it doesn't matter what I feel. And it doesn't matter how confused I am right now. And it doesn't matter how dark it is right now. I can still believe God because faith is of the spirit. Amen. And my spirit is perfect. And there's no darkness in my spirit. No. And there's no confusion in my spirit. And there's no sickness and cancer in my spirit. There's sickness and cancer in my body. But there's no sickness and cancer in my spirit. Dad Hagen said when he was young and he was using his faith because God healed him. But there were attacks that would come. And many times he'd feel overwhelmed. And he'd feel discouraged. And he'd feel all these things but he would remind himself, I'm a spirit being, not a soul being. And as a matter how I feel right now, I can still believe God because my faith is not coming out of my confused mind and my faith is not coming out of my pained body. My faith is coming out of my spirit. So the next time you're under an attack, remember all of that swirling around white noise is irrelevant. It's totally irrelevant. You can still have faith in God even when everything is going wrong. Why? Because your faith didn't come from your mind where everything is confused. It didn't come from your body where everything is messed up. It came from your spirit and your spirit is perfect in the image of God and your spirit is strong and sound and being renewed day by day. So it doesn't matter what I feel, I can have faith. Do you understand? It doesn't matter how I feel or how confused or tormented I am. My faith is not of my mind, Jenny. It's of my spirit. I'm trying to help people. Because what I find is people, they get into these bad scenarios and they are so conscious of what the doctor says. If you ever go into a doctor's office to get a diagnosis, build your spirit man up so strong before you go in. Because they're going to talk to you about body and the body is going to affect your soul. The news is going to hit you like a, like, a, like a cement truck. And it's going to make you feel afraid, feel things. You're going to have images that the devil will try to put it because he's in the soul realm. And he will try to project images of your death and of your failure and of this and that. So if you go in there, remember, the doctor's trying to help you. They're not your enemy. But the doctor is dealing in body and soul. You are not dealing in body and soul. You have a body and you have a soul, but that's not your arena. You are simply getting information. You are not getting a verdict. I go in, doc, tell me what's wrong. You're of the body and soul. I'm not of the body and soul, although I have both. I'm of the spirit. You don't tell me what's going to happen, even though you think you are. You're not giving me the verdict. You're giving me the instruction. You're giving me the fact. But the fact of my body and my soul has got nothing to do with the truth that's in my spirit. And so I go in strong 
and, and I put my shield of faith up in front of me. And when those, the devil wants to use that natural information to hurt me, my faith is in the way. And it says, no, you can't touch me. My faith in God protects me from your diagnosis. I don't reject your diagnosis. What you're saying is true in terms of factual. What you're saying is reality. But you're dealing with soul and body. I'm of another class of being than you are, Doc. Now, you can get kind of arrogant in a good way, but not in a bad way. You can almost get narcissistic in a good way. I'm far more important than you realize, Doc. I know a lot more than you, Doc, not in your terminologies, but I know things of another realm that you'd never even touched. In fact, you're darkened to that realm, but I'm alive to it. But I wouldn't suggest you tell them that, but you tell yourself that. I'm a man of the realm of the spirit. My spirit knows all things. I am here. My spirit is what I've got. You can talk to me about my mind and my body all you want, but my faith didn't come from there. My faith came from my spirit. So I'm a spirit man while you're a soul and body man. You can tell me what you want about the body and the soul, but I know, what, I know about my faith. My trust in God comes out of my heart. Yes, amen. Now I'm going to listen to what you say and maybe take some of your counsel, but even your counsel, I'll have to be led by my spirit. Do you understand? So don't ever, it's, 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 it's crying shame, Lorraine. People go, Christians, go into doctor's office and come out crying. If you ever go into a doctor's office and come out crying, you're a spirit man. You, you are totally, you're a spirit and you, you have the ability to not stumble around in darkness, but you're stumbling around in darkness because you're not listening to the light in your spirit. For you to come out and let their words shake you, Listen, what's the worst that, I don't mean to be negative, but what's the worst that happens? You go see Jesus before me. From that perspective, there's nothing, there's no loss regardless of what happens. But there is a loss here on the earth in terms of fulfilling your assignment and your children and your spouse and all that kind of stuff. And so Paul said, it's better that I stay. It's better for you that I stay. I want to go, but it's better. So it's still better that you stay. It's still better that you get healed. But what I'm saying is you don't ever have to come out of a doctor's office shaken and concerned and fearful and, and crying and, and all emotional. Why? Why are you emotional? Why are you emotional? Because you're in your soul. Because you're so, you're so soul conscious that you forgot that it doesn't matter what's going on up here doesn't matter what's going on down here in your body. Your faith doesn't originate from there. You can, you can have the worst condition and the diagnosis that you'll be dead in three days, but you can still have faith out of your spirit. You've got to learn to quieten that soul and quieten that thing. Yes. Tell your body to be quiet. Yes. And if you need to take some drugs to get your body the pain to slow down enough, like Dr. Dufresne taught us, then take the drugs. It's better that you take the drugs to numb that pain so that you can get in your spirit and quieten your mind instead of having the agony of the pain all the time because it's hard to, it's hard to believe God and walk in faith when all you feel is agony all the time. Now, you can still do it, but it's harder. It's harder. Yeah. My point is you don't have to be a soul-only person. Amen. We have a soul, Jenny. If somebody gave you a bad diagnosis, you would probably feel it. You'd feel something, but just because you feel it doesn't mean it needs to dominate you. It might hit you a little bit, but you just you keep your mind quiet and you just keep telling yourself inside, I'm not a soul person and I'm not a body person. And while I feel some of this and while I feel it in here and while I feel it up here, that is irrelevant because I'm a spirit person and my spirit has faith in God and power is in my spirit and they're talking to me from body and soul but I am a spirit man. Now I'm going to leave this office and I'm not going to get into here. I'm going to keep this quiet and I'm going to get into here because faith will come out of here and faith will destroy what is in here and what is in my body. My faith will overwhelm it. Amen. 
then you come out strong. You don't come out falling apart. Now, some believers fall apart because they haven't been taught this. Because all they are is soul conscious, soul conscious, body conscious, soul conscious, body conscious. And they forgot that they're a spirit. Let me tell you something shocking. Kenneth Hagin said when he was in ministry, he was in ministry seven years, but all through the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, for most of the decades that he was in ministry, he would go and talk to people, pastors and high, he called great teachers, including Billy Graham. He's the only one that he made the name of. So if he said it publicly, I can say it publicly. But he didn't say the names of the other ministers, but he said they were world-famous theologians and ministers from all different denominations, including Billy Graham, who was a great evangelist. And he would ask them all, because it bothered him for many years, he was trying to figure this out. And he would ask them all, and he would say, is there a difference between your spirit and your soul? And he said, not one teacher in the body of Christ, and he said he talked to many great teachers over the years, not one of them gave a scriptural answer. Billy Graham's answer, and I'm not knocking him, I'm just making, just showing you how ignorant people have been. Billy Graham's answer was, I thought Spurgeon so were the same thing. And every theologian he spoke to said, I thought Spurgeon so were the same thing. Your spirit is your soul, your soul is spirit, and it's not. The Bible divides it. The Bible says your whole spirit, soul, and body. Paul said, my body could stay on the earth, but my spirit is going to go to heaven. I. Paul called it the inward man and the outward man. Your spirit and your soul are not the same. And that's why Hebrews 4.12 says, the dividing asunder of soul and spirit like bone and marrow by the word of God. You can divide. They're very close, but you can divide them. There is a difference between your soul and your spirit. That's what I'm trying to give you in a foundation here. There's a difference between your soul and your spirit. Your soul is made up of your intellect and your thoughts. It's made up of your emotions and your feelings. And it's made up of your will, your deciding base. You decide to walk because your nerves send a message to your brain, which is part of your body. And then you, then you process that in your mind, which is part of your soul. And then you make the decision to move your leg. So your body and your soul are integrated in much of what we do. Your spirit's not integrated when you walk. Your spirit's not integrated when you talk. Your spirit's not integrated when you go to the grocery store. This is your mind and your body. So because almost everything that we do on a day-to-day basis is mind and body, people are mind and body obsessed. But a believer has an alive spirit. That's why praying in tongues is so important. Because when you pray in tongues, your mind ceases to become active. Like when you're talking, your mind is active. But when you pray in tongues, your mind is not active. Your spirit is active when you're talking. It's the only talking you can do where your spirit is engaged. All the other talking, your mind is engaged. All the languages of the earth, your mind is engaged. But the only language ever existing in your life or my life where your mind is not engaged and your spirit and your body is engaged, but not your thoughts. Is praying in tongues. Your body's engaged because your tongue has to move. But your mind does not know what you're saying and it doesn't need to know what you're saying because they're words from the Holy Ghost. You're praying as he gives you the ability in your spirit and you're bypassing your whole soul realm, but your body is still engaged. See, I'm speaking with my tongue and with my vocal cords. My body is engaged, directly hooked up to my spirit. But every other factor that we do is body-mind, 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 body-mind. Everything we do is body-mind. So we get used to body-mind, body-mind. But we got to get used to spirit. 
we got to get used to spirit. So when you pray in the spirit, you're getting, we got to listen, you get used to quieting your mind and listening to your spirit. Not everything in life is body mind, unless you're a sinner it is, but as a believer, your spirit is there. It is alive. It is being renewed. It is the inner man. It is the hidden man of the heart. It is your heart. And your spirit has God there. And your spirit wants to communicate to you through your mind. But you've got to quieten your mind in order to hear your spirit. That's why praying in tongues is the best way that you can train yourself to be led by the spirit. Because the more you pray, your mind's already quiet. And then the Holy Ghost can bubble up on the inside and get it over to your thoughts. Do you understand? So here we are with believers walking around like sinners. You couldn't tell the difference by looking at us. Because their body, mind, that's all they're doing, body, mind. But here I am, here you are, body, mind, spirit. Body, mind, spirit. They're walking and all they've got is thoughts. All they've got is English words or whatever their language is. But what I've got is I don't just have body, mind, and thoughts. I've got body, mind, and spirit. And my spirit is talking to my mind. So my mind knows what God thinks in my spirit. And while I'm in the grocery store, I can be praying in tongues under my breath. Or I could have been praying in tongues in my car. And then as I'm shopping, something bubbles up. And I'm totally different to these people. Because all they've got is body and mind. But what I've got, which they can't see. And they don't know. But I've got my body, my mind, and a third element working. My spirit is alive. And if there's danger, my spirit warns me. There, there, there is no such thing as sixth senses. There's demons. Demons are the sixth sense. People can have premonitions by demonic power. But here's the funny thing. People can also have some kind of a knowing. Something's wrong. And you're, there's spirit. There's a lot we don't understand. But their spirit is actually picking something up. God's trying to warn them. I've heard so many people say over the years, they had a sense something bad was going to happen. Yeah. Now, what is that? Now, that's not really a, probably a demon. Now, you can have that sixth sense, which is demonic, where you know things that you can't otherwise know because a demon is whispering to you. But I'm not talking about that now. I'm saying, have you ever talked to people? And they said, I don't know. I just had a bad feeling. My husband shouldn't go to that. What is that? Their spirit's not alive unto God, but the Holy Ghost in his kindness and in his mercy is trying, even though they're not alive, there's no light. But the Spirit of God, the Bible says, is around people, convicting them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And he's around them, and he's just touching their spirit. He's trying to say something. Pay attention. Pay attention. Their spirit's not alive. They don't have light. But the Holy Ghost and his kindness sometimes will even nudge them in their spirit. They don't have the rights we do, but there can be something there. I don't know what it is, but I have a bad feeling. Well, they call it a feeling, but it's actually from their spirit, which is not even alive unto God. So... Generally, sinners are just body and mind. Occasionally, they might have a little nudging, but they don't know what it is. But believers are not body and mind only. I'm body, mind, and spirit. Wherever I go, I'm body, mind, and spirit. My spirit knows things that my mind will never know. My spirit knows where the danger is. My spirit knows where the good deals are. My spirit knows everything. And because I'm hooked up with it, my spirit can influence my mind. So I'm three machines walking. But the sinner beside you in the cubicle is two machines walking. Do you understand? Oh, you okay. Sign 11. I've got to quit on you now. Praise God. Let me just see. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. One more and then we'll close. Second, just very easy, very quick. 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17. I just wanted to give you a few verses to show the difference between your soul and your spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, 
He's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But did you notice when you became in Christ, Taylor, your body didn't become new. That's right. Yeah. And your thoughts didn't become instantly changed. So what is the new part about you when you're in Christ? Your spirit. Your spirit became alive. Your spirit became a new creation. Your spirit was made alive unto God. You see here, he's talking. So when we're in Christ, when we're saved, what's the new part about us? Our spirit, not our soul. It takes time to renew your soul, and you can, but it doesn't happen at the instantaneous time you're saved. It takes time to get your body to listen to you. It takes time. It doesn't happen instantly when you get saved. So what is this newness about somebody when they're in Christ? The in Christ newness is their spirit is made alive. Can you see the difference between your spirit and your soul even in this verse? I'm giving you a lot of verses tonight to try to show you that there is a difference between your spirit and your soul and your body. And I already quoted it four times to you, but Hebrews 4, just, just to read it officially from the scripture. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. Now, God's not doing the joints and the marrow physically, but he's, he's doing a type and shadow so you can understand as a bone and marrow medically is almost indivisible, they blend do you understand? Your soul and your spirit is almost indivisible. They blend. That's why it's hard to tell if it's God or if it's you. That's the big problem with being led by the spirit. People don't know if it's God or them. Because your spirit and your soul are so close. They're like bone and marrow. They blend. I'm just proving that there's this difference between your spirit and your soul. Now we're going to talk about how you, how you become skillful in dividing the soul and spirit, dividing this bone and marrow. That's almost indivisible, but it can be divided. By what is it divided? By the revealed word. When God speaks something to your heart that's in line with scripture, even though you don't have a verse, that is a revealed word. When God gives you a scripture verse and he gives you revelation in it, that is a word from God. That word will divide. This is you and this is God. And that's really what you're looking at. Being led by the Spirit is very simply that divide. When you get that prompting, the Word, the revealed Word, is the Spirit of God prompting you. That inner witness. That inner witness, which is the Word of God to you, that inner witness is what divides, this is my spirit and this is my mind. You see? So when we talk about being led by the Spirit, what we're talking about is you've got to get so skillful with the still inner witness, the yeah. whisper, the impulse, like the passion says, the impulse. You've got to get skillful with that impulse because when you sense that impulse, that inner witness, that, that whispering, that very slight sense, when you sense, when you get that down here, that becomes word to you, a revealed word to you. That becomes the Holy Ghost whispering. It's still, whether it's a scripture that he speaks through or whether it's directly in your spirit, he is still revealing his instruction to you. Now that revealed word is the sword it divides. Now you can say, ah, that was my spirit. That's not my mind. My mind doesn't want to do that. But my spirit, I know to do it. So I'm going to quieten my mind and I'm going to obey. Or, ah, that was my spirit. I do want to do that. My mind doesn't want to, but I do. My spirit does. Or my spirit doesn't want me to do that, but I want to do it, but my spirit says no. And then you start to make this wonderful division and you say, ah, oh, that's the Holy Ghost leading me. He's giving me a word. He's dividing it by his uttered instruction, even if it's very slight, even if it's down here. That instruction separates. It's like a sword. It separates what is in my spirit from what is in my mind. And it takes time, so don't be discouraged. It takes time to get skillful with this. 
And we're all learning, me as well. I can still miss things many times. Do you understand? Praise God. I got upset with somebody. A little while, I'll end with the story. I got upset with somebody, not in our church. Another believer did something that frustrated me and hurt me because I'd been kind to them and then they turned around and bit me. I don't like it when people bite you after you've just been kind to them. But anyway, so I got a little bit upset because I'm a human, just like you. So don't look at me with that tone of voice like, oh, I wouldn't have got upset. Oh, really? Let me watch you in the parking lot when you drive out and see if, you know, some people get upset before they even leave the church building. So we're all human, Jenny. And I got a little bit upset because what it was uncalled for. It was unnecessary. And I got a little bit upset. And so whatever, I just, you know, I just try to shove it off. And then this was a little while ago. And then I woke up after my nap. Uh, because I'm Spanish by nature, and they take naps. They're called siestas. That's why I was going to learn Spanish, go to Guatemala, to back up my siesta belief system. So I had my siesta come, and I woke up, and I had all these symptoms of, what do you call it, allergies and stuff, which try to come on me on average about once a year, and then I rebuke them and they leave. But I suffered with allergies really bad when I was younger. Really, really bad. I mean bad. And I'd had to take medicine all the time and everything in our earlier married years. And then I got healed. And then I realized that that's a demon spirit. I don't care what you think. I'm telling you what it is. Some of it is pollen and some of it is demons. Because I ain't breathing in no pollen in my siesta. There's no pollen in my room. There's no dogs in my room. I'm not allergic to them anyway. But I wake up with all the full-blown symptoms because that's a demon. And he's coming to test. He's coming to see if he can put it back on me. Or if I'm going to knock his head off his, off his shoulders like I do every year. And I felt all that stuff. And you know, they're awful. They sting and they burn and they itch and you're sneezing and all that stuff. And I'm just in my room. I'm in an enclosed environment. And so I woke up and I immediately started to rebuke it. Like I do every year. It only happens once a year and it leaves. You'd think the devil would wake up. But he's persistent. And so I start to rebuke that thing. Now you see, in my spirit, this is where you've got to get sensitive. In my spirit, there was a... I could feel, not physically, but it's hard to explain that spiritual things in natural terminology. There was no physical sensation, but I'm, I'm, I'm developing my inner man. I'm developing sensitivity to my inner man. So when the Holy Ghost wants to say something or do something or communicate something, I'm becoming more sensitive, far more than I was when I was younger. And it comes with a lot of waiting on God, a lot of praying in tongues, and a lot of trial and error where you think something's God and then it doesn't work out and you realize, oh, that feeling wasn't God. Thousands of times I've done that until I'm now learning what is God, but it takes time So as, as soon as I started saying devil I before I even got the sentence out of my mouth Jenny I mean before it even came out of my mouth in my spirit. There was like a like a like a stop like a red light And it surprised me because why would he stop me from rebuking the devil? But I know my spirit so I stopped in mid-sentence and I said Lord What is it because I could feel like that warning don't don't speak something's wrong so I said, Lord, what is that? And I heard, and just, I don't know how to explain it to you, but it just bubbled up. It just bubbled up from my spirit into my mind. And this thought came to me, but down from here, that means the Holy Ghost was communicating, bubbling up to my mind. And I heard, when I say I heard these words, it was in my mind, but it came up out of my spirit. It won't work. He paused and I answered. I said, what do you mean it won't work? He said, you're an unforgiveness, son. Just as clear as that. And, and, and I thought I could argue with him because this was inappropriate. But did you notice God didn't care that I was in the innocence and that I was, not, I was wrong, wronged? 
He didn't care about any of that. What he cared about is that I was in unforgiveness. And I heard him say, stop, it won't work. You're in unforgiveness, son. And I remember, I just said, I just closed my eyes and said, Lord, I feel, I feel the emotion of it still. But Lord, I forgive that person by faith right now and I let it go in the name of Jesus. And I didn't feel anything, but I said it by faith. Because he's not looking at me to feel love ooey gooey <laughs> he don't care about none of that nonsense he doesn't need me to feel oh i can't wait to see him no i'll tell you what i can't wait to do give him the fivefold ministry he don't need me to feel anything he needs me to say it in faith and and have my heart attached to it and i said i don't feel it and i know i'm not going to feel it as it comes out of my mouth but i'm telling you father i choose to forgive them by faith right now he didn't say anything else to me because i knew it was done and then that, 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 red, that red stop sign, instantly gone. And I said, now I speak to you foul thing. You get your filthy rotten hands off me. And within about 30 seconds, all the symptoms left haven't come back on me since. And they won't come back on me because the devil's stupid. He's stupid and smart. He'll come at me every year once until I knock his head off. Then he doesn't come bother me again for that whole year. So he's smart in that way. But he's dumb because he'll try to come back next year. And he didn't read the Bible. The devil didn't obviously read the Bible because the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. That means I'm getting stronger and stronger. If I've knocked his head off 10 times, 10 seasons in a row, I'm going to surely knock it off on the 11th as well. But he didn't read Proverbs. He didn't know what it said. That's why he keeps harassing me once a year. But it only takes one, one word and it's gone. So don't put up with your stupid allergies. They're stupid and you're not. Speak to them. But pastor... I think it's pollen. I don't think it's demons. I think it's pollen. Well, if it's pollen, speak to it. Yeah. Pollen is more easy to overcome than demons. Sure. Right? Just say, body, I command you in Jesus' name, you receive that pollen with joy. Because God didn't make pollen to make me cry and wheeze and sneeze. God didn't make anything in creation that is to foul my life. Everything in creation is to benefit me. So pollen, I command you to come in my body and my body accept you. Do you understand? And if you can't drink milk, then you say, body, I command you to receive this with joy. The Bible says whatever is received with thanksgiving is sanctified and blessed to me. So you, body, your system, hey, you bowels down there, guts, you're going to receive it in Jesus' name. And then go ahead and do it by faith. And you'll see, you're, you won't be allergic to no food. I'm telling you, the doctors said the thing they say to me. You, you got, what, what allergies do your children have? When I take them to different things, you know, you got all this medical stuff. And I say, they got no allergies. Well, I remember this nurse said, what you mean? What, 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 what do you mean? And I get real bold. I'm getting fed up with this nonsense. We live in such a pathetic society. And I'm getting so bold. I just look at them and I say, because Jesus died on the cross for me and he took my allergies and my kids and I are fine. Put none. <laughs> I've started to do that. I start to preach now. I've got a great open door when they ask about why my kids don't have allergies. Because apparently every kid and their cat now has allergies. <laughs> Listen, I don't know what's going on, but when I was a kid, nobody had allergies. When I was a kid and when you, when you were a kid, mom, there was no such thing as allergies. I don't know what that is. If there's demons been released or if people are just overly zealous to be fear mongers. And now you add coronavirus to that. Oh my God, now it's the coronavirus and allergies. Oh gee, you better have the spirit of faith or you're not going to make it in this world. I'm telling you. I'm telling you the leading of the spirit. I said that story so you'd know the leading of the spirit. I, I could have rebuked. It would not have worked because when you're in unforgiveness, you block the power of God. You block it. I don't care what they've done to you. 
I don't care how right you are and how much you want your pound of flesh. It is better to let it go. There is not one human being in this world. There's many that do not like me. But there is not one human being, I can honestly say, in this entire planet that I have ought against. There's many that don't like me. And there's many I don't trust. And there's many I wouldn't let come into this church building. But that doesn't mean I'm at ought with them. There's many that I wouldn't have lunch with, but that doesn't mean I'm in unforgiveness to them. It means I don't trust them, and trust is earned. Trust is not the love walk. Trust is earned. People that break your trust, don't let them close. You can still love them, but love them from a distance. That, you understand the difference? Because some of you think that everything lovey is trusty, and it's not. There's a lot of people that, I'll never talk, that I won't have lunch with, that I won't engage with, because they're not trustworthy, they're unsafe. But that doesn't mean that I've ought in my heart toward them. If I were to see them, I would say, God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. But if they said, come, let me give you a hug. No, no, thank you. The demons on you, I don't want to get on me. The filth that you walk in is not getting on me. Can we have lunch? No, I'm not having lunch with you because you're a weirdo. I'm not doing it because you're unsafe. But brother, I love you in the love of the Lord and I'll see you in heaven. When your mind gets straightened out, come visit me on Promise of Life Street. We'll have lunch then. That's the truth, Taylor. I'm going to be living on Promise of Life Street. You can come visit me then, because some people, they'll never get their mind fixed here. No matter how much teaching they get, because they've made a decision that they're going to do what they're going to do. And they'll go and live their life the best that God can bless them, he will, and they'll go to heaven, and they'll realize how foolish they were. So just because I love everybody by faith, and I forgive everybody, that doesn't mean I trust everybody, and that doesn't mean I'll have fellowship with everybody. But I have to forgive everybody. I have to let it go. Or you know what? My faith won't work. My faith won't work for healing. My faith won't work in my marriage. My faith won't work for the 40,000 a week. My faith won't work for Oasis. My faith won't work for anything because the love walk is critical. Faith worketh by love. Love includes forgiveness. Heavenly Father, I don't know why I shared that, but somebody needed to hear it. Just like in our praise time, at the end, somebody, that lady in here needed to hear about magnifying God and making him bigger instead of saying how the problem is so big, but how big you are. Lord, all the way through this, there's been little tributaries and side trails and bunny trails because I know they're individuals that the Spirit of God knows needs to hear specific things. But thank you for letting me at least get some of my notes out, Lord, so that we're heading down this journey together. We're spirits, we have souls, we live in bodies. There is a difference. And the light of God is in our spirit. And you want to lighten our path, guide us and lead us through our spirits. And Lord, we're in this journey of learning how we can get more skillful in being spirit conscious, listening to our spirit, because that's where God leads us and that's where faith and victory comes from, is down in here. So I thank you, Father. We're getting more skillful. We're, getting, we're learning more every time we gather together. I give you praise and I give you thanks. I hear the Spirit saying it again. My God, Lord, there's obviously a need for it tonight. I hear him say it again to me. Son, tell him to forgive. Son, tell him to forgive. Tell them to forgive. I hope you're listening because it's not me that's talking right now. It's the Lord that is speaking through me. My brother, my sister, I don't care what they've done. Let it go. Forgive them. You don't need to feel it. You don't need to have fellowship with them. You don't need to trust them. That's earned. Let it go. 
say out of your mouth and may let your heart agree. Not feelings agree. Let your heart agree. Lord, I forgive them by faith. I let it go. I bless them with my words. Bless them as far as you're able to. I bless those that curse me. I bless those that persecute me. I bless those that despitefully use me. Lord Jesus, I forgive and I let it go. If you'll do that by faith, you'll see your faith will start working for you. Some of you, there's an unforgiveness and it's blocking the power of God from manifesting what you're believing. Your words are all right, but the power's not flowing because you're not in love in an area. So would you please do that, my brother and sister, so you can have the victory that you've been so desperately needing and that you've been confessing in line with. Praise God, hallelujah, for the rescues of God. Thank God for the rescues of the Holy Ghost for whoever that person or watching or in person, I don't know, Father, but whoever they are, I thank you that you're touching their hearts right now. Lord, for those people that worry about the doctor and are afraid about doctor's visits, that's just because they're in their soul. Lord, if they'll just realize that their faith and their believing doesn't come out of their soul, out of their spirit, and they can go in strong in spirit and be unmoved by whatever is said, they will go to doctors without fear. In fact, some of you haven't gone to the doctor in a long time, and you say it's not, but it's because of a root of fear. Deal with that fear and go to the doctor because your spirit man is strong. And don't be afraid what they say. There's healing available for you if you need it. Let's not be afraid. Praise God. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for your help tonight. Thank you that we're spirit people. We're spirit people. We have souls and bodies, but we're spirit people. We're led by our spirit. Faith comes out of our spirit. Praise God. We listen to the spirit. Like I had to listen on the edge of my bed, rebuking those allergies. I had to listen to the spirit say, no, it won't work. Forgive. Lord, that was being spirit led. That was the Holy Ghost communicating to me so that I could have the victory. So I thank you, Lord, that you're helping each and every one of them learn this. Praise God. As they drive on the road, let them not drive in fear, but let them always have just an, uh, uh, always have their radar open to their spirit. Always open to their spirit. So that if you whisper in their spirit up into their mind, don't go that route. Don't go that route. They wouldn't do it out of fear, but they would listen to the prompting and they would be safe. They wouldn't have accidents and they wouldn't have problems. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name that there's safety by being led by the Spirit. We give you praise for it and we give you glory. Hallelujah. I feel, Lord, the assignment is complete for tonight in Jesus' name. Let them go and meditate on it. It'll help them to listen again. If they miss part one and two on Sunday, let them listen to that again. Lord, let them meditate. You told me to tell the people to soak in this teaching. So Lord, let them get like in a pool. Let them just soak in it. Let them listen to Sunday part one and two. Let them listen to tonight again. Let them soak in it because there's much little things that are said here or there that they never heard the first time, but they'll hear it on the second listening. So I thank you, Father, and I bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Amen.